our clappers. Uh, get your clappers ready, folks, because you're going to be applauding on this episode of Good Writing. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. On this episode, we are joined by guest Brett Beadle. Brett yes. is a fiction writer, and we talk about a piece of flash fiction. Yes. Fiction. It's fiction. Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great episode. Brett's really nice and really fun. Um, yeah, and really clever. Yeah, Just really. Really smart, insightful guy. I was. I had a good time. Yeah. But before we hit play on this episode, I want to make an announcement. Episode twenty-six coming up soon to be to be released in May. Um, we'll celebrate our six months of podcasting. Ben and I will have been doing this for six damn months. <laughs> so we want to do a promptisode and review prompts from past episodes. And uh, we are asking you, dear listener, if you have tried any of the writing exercises, writing ideas, or revision exercise that we've ever talked about on the show, mm-hmm. we would love to hear from you. Yeah. Please tell us how it went so that we can have content for the promptisode. Yes. You don't have to send us what you wrote. Just let us know if it was successful or not and what made that successful or not. Yeah. Word. So yeah. find us, Good Writing Pod, on Twitter or goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy, Brett people. Hi. Hi. Hey, Emily. Hey, Ben. Ben, welcome our guest. Hey, Brett. Brett. Hello. So good to have you here. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Brett, we're so excited you're here. Uh, Okay. Brett Beeble teaches writing and literature at Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois, Midwest boy. Uh, His mostly very short fiction has appeared in Hobart, Smoke Long Quarterly, The Master's Review, Wigleaf, and Elsewhere. I love the and elsewhere in every good writer's bio. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anywho. It's also been, he's also been chosen for best small fictions, best microfiction, and as part of Wigleaf's annual top 50 very short stories. His debut short story collection, 48 Blitz, is available from Split Lip Press. Welcome, Brett! Thank you all. Thank you. It's so nice to be here and so nice to be able to chat about, about craft and about writing, and, and I'm excited to, to, to get to it. <laughs> Us the frick, awesome. too. Good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brett. So... We usually start our episodes off by confessing how little writing we have done this past week. Um, <laughs> when we have a guest, we skip that part and just assume that the audience knows Ben and I have not accomplished our writing goals this week. And instead, we ask the guest, what's your writing routine like? How do you get get words onto the page? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm in your boat this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I have, I have a sort of weird process, I think, because I, I have learned that it's better not to, like, pressure myself to put words down every day um i I do i do pretty consistent work when i have a project in mind um so like if i have you know my my first book is a collection of 48 stories all take taking place in nebraska right so every every couple of days i'm sitting down to like hammer out some some more some new stuff or to, to edit um when i'm working on something like that um when i don't have a project like i'm either frantically searching for the next project or trying to tell myself to like, let it, let it be. Um, and I think that's the big like process thing that I feel like I've figured out for myself is that I just do better work when I'm like letting it kind of come when it comes. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's like, that sounds so like, oh yeah, I'm like so, so casual. It's not casual at all. <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, um, but, mm-hmm. but I try to have it be casual. Right. Um, so I, 
and, and it's a constant reminding myself of that. Yeah. So um, I, I guess my question is, since you write a lot of shorter stuff, uh, seems to be kind of your milieu, uh, well, what does a, a day of, when you do sit down to write, what, what is that going to look like for you? Are you going to be working on multiple things at once? Are you focusing on one thing? Like, well, where, where does that live for you? It's a really good question. It's a, I'm a one thing person. So like, I, usually I'll have an idea and I'll like think through. And with Flash, you know, you can write almost the whole story in your head right i mean like like while i'm driving somewhere um or, or whatever mm-hmm. and then i will like frantically try to get to a keyboard and mash it out um and then and then it's usually the next day like editing right um mm-hmm. and so like like i'll get sometimes the generating is 20 minutes right and i'm like okay this story's good i'm done and then i'll come back the next day and then it might be three hours of just like comma patrol and 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 you know rhythm <laughs> rearranging um do i like this ending um but you know usually i'm not spending like weeks and weeks on a single story uh, you know i might occasionally come back to a piece or two but usually it's like a day of generating um you know might be 20 minutes might be two hours and then another day you know two hours or so of editing and then and then it's like okay this is ready to submit for now, I'll put it in the, the folder mm-hmm. and wait, and then mm-hmm. kind of wait for the next thing to come along. I have, mm-hmm. sorry to derail us, but I just have like such a strong image of like, comma patrol, comma yeah. patrol, yeah. we have a warrant, yeah. open the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Like, it's, I mean, it's. <laughs> No, that, yeah, the editing is like is like reading Flash until the language does not make sense anymore, right? <laughs> like when I mm-hmm. when I hit that point, it's like okay, this needs to just be put away. Um, and that yes, happens. to stare at the same handful of paragraphs yeah. over and over and yeah. over. And, um, mm, yeah, they they do stop making sense eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh. tell me more. So you're one project at a time. Sometimes if you have stared at it for too long, you'll put it away. When do you come back to stuff? Usually after enough rejections, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, I'll come back to stuff after, yeah, like after the story, okay, something's not working. Or sometimes it's just like random stuff like throughout the day. Like, you know, Slumdog Millionaire, like they, he's like answering those trivia mm-hmm. questions based on like random things that happened in his life. It's a little bit like that. Like something random will happen and then it's like, oh, I'm, I messed that up in that story. Like I need to fix that. Or like, mm-hmm. like you just get hit with like, did I end the story with this particular word? And I don't like that. This word will be better, right? <laughs> right. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's like when I'm not writing the stories, I'm like thinking about them. And, and that's like the weird part I think about the flash for me is, is about flash for me is that that's where the editing happens a lot is like when I'm not actually doing editing, like like, like the editing will be mm-hmm. like happening away from the screen. <laughs> like, okay, I need to, I need to change that. Um, and I, and really, I mean, I think it's hell on the people around me. Cause I'm sure I'm walking around like half distracted all the time. Like, what is he thinking about? Like, and it's like this 300 word story about division three wrestling or something, but um, um, he's on comic patrol. That's, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I like, yeah, I find myself um, the shower thoughts or the taking mm-hmm. the dog on a walk thoughts. Yeah. But they only come to me if I already unsuccessfully tried writing or revising that day. Like if I'm, I had to already unsuccessfully try to get into the headspace mm-hmm. and then it'll just like load and finally hit me when I'm doing something unrelated and menial. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that totally like makes sense to me, right? Like, like it. 
it only works when when you've struggled with it for a while and then you let it go and it comes back um, and i teach i teach um at a small liberal arts college and so i use flash a lot in the classroom because like you, we can read it all in mm-hmm. five minutes mm-hmm. and then have like a 20 minute discussion about it um which mm-hmm. maybe we'll do today um, <laughs> um but uh so like sometimes it will happen there right and then, and then i have to like fight to like save the thought and then get back to teaching but um you know that, that i'm lucky in that way that that you know i talk about this stuff as a career so um mm. that can help with the editing totally yeah in the headspace a little bit more yeah. frequently than those of yeah. us with uh, yeah. unrelated non-academic jobs. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Um, Okay, I'm curious about, like, a story of a time that you've just been, like, in a flow state with writing, like, where it just came mm. naturally, you, you were easily coming coming to and felt like your cup was full, and when you, like, went and sat down to write, it was, like, coming to you. Um, but it sounds like you've already, your example of your short story collection 48 blitz it already is that example it sounds like like you you figured out the structure of it's going to be 48 things set in nebraska and then just working under that structure is what worked for you or yeah do you have a different example no no that's good i mean and in particular like the first story in that collection was like i knew the idea that i I wanted to have a football game and an execution on the same day and 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 that's one of those stories where that's a 20 minute story Right, right, like, and and then it's it's mostly done, and I think I edited that one for seven minutes, right? Like, like, so it's it's and and that that that's never happened other uh, another time, really, right? I think that was the smoothest <laughs> one, and, and then it's like, okay, yeah, like I can. This is a world that I can bounce around in, um, and so mm. it, it, yeah, that that's one of those moments where it, it clicked. I'm envious. Right. Also, I just, I literally just read that. That's the one that published in Master's Review, right? Yeah. The Gradation. Yeah. Yeah. I literally just read that before this call. Like, okay. I feel very well informed today. Good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. You're on it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so, um, I guess, what, I'm wondering, like, as a writer, since you do specialize in Flash, and, and I'm just very interested in that, on what draws you to writing in the shortest, to writing in short form, but keeping that as prose like deciding significantly that it's prose like well what's the attraction there it's funny because like when i read i mean i read the books that i really love are big big novels right like like Mm -hmm. thousand page Mm -hmm. novels like i know esteban Mm -hmm. talked about thomas pinchon last week right um and Mm -hmm. i love to read um i love to read pinchon and i love to read bolaño who i think he also mentioned and you know the ducks newburyport the 900 pages of a single um, thought like i love those kinds of books and i and i write the opposite Mm -hmm. of that Right. But, but I think but so but I think what it is, is that like that I always struggle with the in between bits that you need to sustain a novel, like the, 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 the mechanical sentences that sort of have to move the plot forward. Um, and and I just get so self-conscious when I'm trying to, like, move a plot forward um mm-hmm. that that i struggle yeah. with it and i need to i need to work on it right like it's it's kind of a, a flaw <laughs> um in in my process um and and but but that's what it is and, and flash is like works best when you have none of that right like like flashes mm-hmm. like good flashes sometimes just stripping away all those mechanical plot sentences um because you just don't have time for them yeah. Um, and you kind of need them in in a novel because you can't be hitting the reader all the time with um like you, you the reader can't be like constantly turning the page right um i yeah. think that's mm-hmm. i think that's just too much a lot of the time so you, you have to be able to manage mm-hmm. pacing and tension a little bit um and in flash you don't need to um, necessarily what makes you like it when other writers do it the like connective tissue or just mechanical sentences mm-hmm. like 
why do you like it when other writers do it, but not when you do it? Well, I think a lot of those other writers are really focused on language. I think so. I think part of it is like it's like it's a self-conscious thing, right? Like mm-hmm. like I just don't cut mm-hmm. myself the same slack <laughs> that I'll cut totally. I'll cut up a published book that I'm already reading. Um, yeah. So I think that's part of it, um, and, and so it's that that kind of like writer's fear. Um, I think the other part is that like the mm-hmm. the books that do it really well, the really long books, just don't have as much of that mechanical stuff as as a lot of the other ones. Like those writers tend not to care as much about plot, and they're okay mm-hmm. with like, mm-hmm. okay, this is like a linguistic episode, right? And the narrative is structured mm-hmm. episodically, and so they're actually like encouraging the reader to not worry about what happens, <laughs> right? Like or or to chart it out. Yeah. It's more about being able to lose yourself in the in the moment or in the paragraph or in the page. And so um, I think that's that's part of why I like those senses. And I haven't figured out how to do that part of it myself, right? I haven't, I haven't figured out how to sustain the language for um, pages and pages and pages. I'll keep trying, but <laughs> I'm not there yet. I love that what you love about the long longer novels is what you do in Flash. Like, yeah. It's just a different format that you're doing the Get Lost in Language. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. I mean, so it is kind of like mental trick, right? <laughs> and I think, and I think a lot of writing mm-hmm. is mental, mental tricks. Like you kind of, mm-hmm. like accounting maneuvers. <laughs> you, you, you just, you just yeah. arrange the numbers a little differently so that it makes sense to you. Um, and, and, and I think that's the best way that I can explain it is that like the flash just made sense to me as a form, right? When I started writing it, it just was like, okay, I can manage this, right? And I can do it without second guessing myself or getting caught in like these weird loops where I can't revise or the, the words don't mean anything mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, it just felt more manageable. Um, totally. and, and I'm trying to push myself to do longer stuff. Um, that's kind of the next project I'm casting around for, but that, so that's, that, that's like the, the next thing I want to do. So I'm maybe like hyper aware of that in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I think, I think that's a big part of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, been there cutting each other out. We're just I, I, I we're just eyeing each other in this video chat, going like, "Are you doing the transition? Am I doing the transition?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll take That's that right. as the transition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it works. It works. That- <laughs> Speaking of mechanical uh, filler sentences to move the plot along, but you two handle it much better than my psyche handles it, right? It's, like, <laughs> it's it's not our, our first bad transition on the pod. Um, so speaking of bad transitions on the pod, let's yeah. talk about a good. Flash fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Here on the Good Writing Podcast, we make our guests do homework in order to to join us. And Brett has selected a piece of flash fiction. Um, It's titled The Vending Machine at the End of the World by Josephine Rowe. Brett, why this flash? I think flash, this is going to sound strange, I think, but like, I know there's no such thing as like perfect books or perfect writing, right? We, We write art, but like, I think... Flash feels like perfection is sort of more attainable because it's so short. It's sort of like mm. poetry, right? Like you can find mm. the, the right stanza um, where, where you just wouldn't want to change a word. And this is the piece that I think comes closest to that for me, where I, I just appreciate the structure of it so much um, and the way that it like gives you this mysterious thing that Flash is supposed to without without giving up on dramatic satisfaction. Like I think this piece is dramatically mm. satisfying and kind of mysterious in that iceberg sort of way. Um, yeah. It is so true that those are very hard to balance. Yeah. The, like yeah. intrigue and actually giving enough to satisfy me as a reader. Those are yeah. very, very hard to balance. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think that's 
not to go on too long of a tangent, but I do think that like trying too hard to be mysterious is like such a work early draft workshop mistake. <laughs> so like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think this mm-hmm. is a really good successful example of like yeah. yeah, there's intrigue, there's more here, there's there are things that are mysterious about the situation, but it is satisfying still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I always think about, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the, it's a Michelangelo sculpture. It's it's called The Captives. It's these, like, like Michelangelo said when he looked at a block of stone, he didn't see stone. He saw what, he saw the the David, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. like, that was a block of stone at one point. And so these are the sculptures yeah. that he's, like, left deliberately, maybe, unfinished. And mm-hmm. you can kind of see them starting to emerge from the, 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 the block of marble. I think that's a lot like what Flash is, right? Like, like you mm-hmm. want to give the outline um, without sort of unchiseling it all. Um, and that's mm-hmm. part of where the like fun comes in in the transaction. It's much more of a like conversational format, I think. I think that's part of what I love about it. Mm-hmm. I love that analysis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's share with share with the class here. Yeah. Um, dear listener, I have found a link to this if you'd like to read the whole piece of flash fiction, but you'll have to make an account on the website where it's posted. So if you would like to pause us now, make an account on that website to read this whole flash fiction by Josephine Rowe, and now is your opportunity. You didn't pause fast enough. I'm going to keep talking. Um, <laughs> um, Brett, uh, Brett, Brett's going to read the ending of this piece of flash, flash fiction. Um, Brett, do you want to summarize it leading up to this point, or should Ben or I? Yeah, I, I can do that. Sure. Um, so the the, the main po- sort of plot, relationship plot of the story is that the narrator is uh, on on the phone, and she's somewhere on the other side of the world as this this main character. She's she's talking to, um, and the the story kind of shrouds their relationship in mystery. Is it a romantic relationship? Is it a friendship? Is it is it familial? Um, and I think you can read we all can have our sort of interpretations but but but, um uh it's there's some sort of connection between these people that that's shrouded but the the one thing that comes up is that there's this vending machine where this guy is in seattle selling opera tickets and it has a mystery button and then part of their conversation is trying to talk about what the mystery button is what what kind of soda does it sell um Mm -hmm. so uh, that's that's where i'll pick up i bet it's tab he finally said he had turned the vending machine into a time-traveling device. He wanted a tab summer. He wanted it to be 1982 in Atlanta, Georgia, before the methadone trips to Mexico and the minor prison stints for DUI. He wanted to be on his uncle's farm, raising Lester Prairie chickens. He wanted to be anywhere but Seattle, selling tickets for the opera. One night he called and told me he'd gone to Fremont. He pushed a mystery button on the vending machine at the end of the world. And you know what I got? What'd you get, I asked. Fucking Sprite. And Atlanta, Georgia in 1982 was bleached out and unreachable, and he and I had one less thing to talk about. Damn. What an image! What an object! <laughs> what, a, what, what a solid little <laughs> moment, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like it so much. Okay, before mm-hmm. Brett actually teaches us stuff, Ben, what do we think? First impressions. <laughs> okay, so first impressions is that this is great. <laughs> this is Settled. A, a really great little, you know, two-page thing. Um, it really just um, immediately captures that um, moment in time of this conversation between these two that uh, as they try to reach out to one another through this common understanding and, and then to have... Like, uh, uh, that's led up to this moment by creating all of this mystery around who these people are and what's their relationship to each other and ultimately the mystery of what's in this vending machine. And then, you know, we have all these other extant mysteries on the outside of it, but then 
the one mystery we get the answer to, what's in the vending machine, is a very mundane answer. So yeah. it, it creates this kind of like great, you know, I, I don't want to overuse the word dichotomy, but I'm not coming up with anything else between the way that we have to think of the way that we think of mystery in the tantalizing way that it's always sometimes just better not to know these things and mm-hmm. it's it's a great great moment there yeah yeah i'm always so excited to see moments where people have like like thought that a something would be more magical than it is and then they mm-hmm. get disillusioned they discovered that it's very realistic mm-hmm. and, and and not every day um i think mm-hmm. that's always a great topic <laughs> um and how it's done here is really fun for me um i'm gonna talk about a, other sections of the flash piece leading up to just the section that we read um i just am really intrigued by this character these two characters this dynamics so it's a, a narrator and then this unnamed man who lives in seattle the narrator like we know absolutely nothing about her um what we know is only her descriptions of this guy and how maybe unstable and definitely emotionally dependent he is on her like he used to call from a he calls her from the payphone of a hotel that she's he's moved into because the hotel is, shares a name with her is is my understanding so he cut down on the beer on beer and moved into the hotel that had had my name that kind of love scared the hell out of me the kind of love that makes a person cut down on beer and move into a hotel just because of its name this dynamic is fascinating. It's so, <laughs> and then to to end this piece on the guy having all these memories of 1982 and, and Tab and um, his history, and then like to be disappointed by the reality of, you know, life has moved on and is not about his 1982 memories. It's really sad and good. Like it's 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 um, it makes me. It kind of establishes a dynamic from for me of where this guy is like. I don't know, kind of self, self-absorbed, self right? He's thinking about his own history and he's uh, hoping that like the very boring, it's just a vending machine on a street that has normal everyday sodas that are popular today. Um, he's taking everything very personally and and complaining about it to the, the narrator and, and not really getting her input, just like using her as a conversational prop. What You, you know what I got, right? Rather than like, what soda would you have if what soda would do you wish you could have <laughs> right mm. this dynamic is really yeah. rich <laughs> yeah 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 for sure for sure i mean i think and you're reading the story and it's like what what is going on between these two people <laughs> i mean you know mm-hmm. what what is their relationship like what why why does she seem to be so poetic in her narration about it right i mean like that that i mm-hmm. bet it's i bet it's tab he said and then she says you know within that section he wanted a tab summer and, and it's very lyrical and nostalgic and almost like mm-hmm. the narrator is um wishing for it too right so like like what is it about this relationship that that puts her in that headspace even though it's also described as scaring the hell out of her right um and so and you just don't yeah. you don't know any of that um and so you know there is that that kind of tension and yet, you know, like 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 you said, Ben, like you, you do get the answer to the sprite, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and 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 it just it feels so right. Like it's that's that seems like it describes this this thing, um, that, mm-hmm. in, in yeah. a disappointing way for sure. We know what yeah. happens. We don't. We can interpret on our own what it means. Yeah, um, I think that's usually the, the healthy balance between like there can be mystery, there can be intrigue, but it's not like mysterious for the sake of being mysterious you i've, I've received yeah. enough information to have an opinion on it 
Yeah, and we get we do get little glimpses about about who this guy is, right? Like there's enough character detail, um, you know, the, on his uncle's farm raising chickens. Um, we know about sort of substance issues uh, that get that get brought up in the story, um, and and so you it, you know it's not like you're we know that the narrator lives uh, lives in her parents' house or is at least talking to him from her parents' house, right? And she's mm-hmm. um, I think she's smoking through the screen. I can't. Yep. Yes, yeah. she is. So like we we have that image, right? And so you, you do understand a little bit about who these people. People are and I think Flash is so much about details and and in the parts leading up to that last paragraph the details here feel very right to me that the details encapsulate a lot about who these people are um, and they mm-hmm. they I talk about this in screenwriting a lot too like in screenwriting you need to use types and <laughs> the same thing is true in Flash mm-hmm. like you need to have types um, and so mm-hmm. like character types um, but if you can create types that also feel like individuals you've really you've really hit hit the mark um and and i think these these characters are a little bit like that right this sort of down on his luck Mm -hmm. in recovery um you know male character who's longing for better days is definitely a type that i've seen in film but but this one doesn't feel like 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 every other type right he feels like his own down on his luck male character longing for 1982 right and i think that's why it works yeah Yeah. and also like however little we know about him we know that his relationship with this narrator who lives across the world matters to him a lot which yeah i think is a good way to get readers invested in someone is mm-hmm. like what's someone who they care about I, I think that's always a good tool but wait can we explore this 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 comment that screenwriting requires types tell me can you expand on that tell me more <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask the same thing yeah. uh, when, i mean when screenwriting is like it's a very visual format right and so you you don't have voice Really, I mean, you can you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Greta Gerwig has voice in her screenplays, um, and that's part of why she's so good. Um, but but she's putting her voice into these very like structured, formulaic spots, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and using kind of formatting to to showcase her voice, um, and and so you just don't have like that character interiority that you get in prose, and so you need to mm-hmm. signal to the audience with visual details mm-hmm. what these people are like, um, mm-hmm. and so you know, and that's hard to do without being cliche right like like um mm-hmm. he's wearing a letter jacket right is, is one right. way to do it and so you have to have those images right like like the letter jacket is really useful for screenwriting because it tells me so much about who this character is but if that's all you have then the character is just this kind of like okay he's the the quarterback or whatever um then they are the letter jacket right exactly yeah. and so yeah. you need to balance it out with like individualizing details too um, and, and I think that like, I think that applies to Flash, yeah. Like an establishing shot, essentially. Yeah, like for sure. Quickly, visually, here's something that you can go off of, but like we're gonna develop them further as as this as the as the jock actually talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. And, and the, I, I think there's something to sort of figuring out the the right way to do that in in Flash, right? And I think this piece, you know, the the row piece, something about the way that she. Um, like this, the beginning of the story is very exposition. Like there's just a lot of exposition in this story. Um, mm-hmm. And, and but then it it switches really quickly to this kind of discussion of the the vending machine, which helps us characterize these people and what they want. And it kind of stands in for <laughs> for a whole lot. Like it's a it's strange to have a vending machine be a metaphor for all of their dreams, but that's what it is, right? Like so you get this <laughs> yeah. weird specific detail that that helps us um, make their relationship feel more unique than than then maybe the exposition might make it out to be in the beginning. Yeah. Um, 
if we're willing to go on this thought experiment with me, I want to like review the opening of this and like yeah. how it does the establishing shot, like male addict down on his luck, yeah. with kind of establishing shots, and then like where it goes from there. Okay, so I'm gonna read the first three sentences, and you guys tell me like which parts of these do you think are like establishing a type? I'm using air quotes, or maybe like mm-hmm. establishing some familiar images, and how is it different or putting twists on those that are like new exciting um okay first three sentences from the vending machine at the end of the world he moved into a hotel with my name and called most nights from the payphone in the hallway before that he used to call from a payphone before that he used to call from a phone box on the corner of second avenue in pine and i could always hear sirens in the background and drunks shouting at each other fuck you motherfuckers i can fly that was when he was sleeping in a park at night and working during the day selling tickets over the phone for the seattle opera I lied, that was four sentences. That works. Um, But yeah, I I think we see uh, what you're talking about, Brett, with with just in that first sentence, you know, he moved into a hotel. Those first words, like, uh, that automatically gives a type, like you were saying. Like, uh, a person who moves into a hotel, we have preconceived notions of that. We understand what that that might be implying about a character that at the very least they're saying this person does not have a lot of money right now. They need to live week to week somewhere. Um, It's unstable. Um, But and then as we move into it, we see those individuating things, especially in that last sentence, you know, you know, during that that was when he was sleeping in a park at, at night and working during the day selling tickets over the phone for the Seattle Opera. Like that that last bit is such that twist, I think, that starts leading us into the individual like aspects of the character. Yeah. I kinda think like all three of these, like the first half of the sentence is like establishing mm-hmm. familiar imagery and the second half is doing mm-hmm. something more in uh, unique. He moved into a mm-hmm. hotel with my name and called most nights from the payphone in the hallway. Like, he's going out of his way to mm-hmm. maintain a relationship with whoever this narrator is. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. what's their relationship is immediately a question top of mind for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, it's also interesting to me that the, the first sentence is almost a, you know, like a quote-unquote step up. Right, um, like like he's in a hotel. He has a, like a fixed address, calling from a fixed phone. Um, you know, instead of instead of this payphone um, mm-hmm. um, uh, on this specific street corner in Seattle. Um, I, I think this story just gets specific things right. Like I love geography in fiction, and so that you know, dropping mm-hmm. those street names in there feels right. Mm-hmm. Like I can picture kind of the Pacific Northwest it, just just from those those street names, um, mm-hmm. and that gives me a sense of this particular street corner. Sprite as a brand name it just feels perfect. Perfectly right. I don't know how to explain it other than that it just seems to fit. Um, but but yeah, I think that. So I, I think that's that's totally true. That that we we get this kind of tropey picture in some sense. And people can't see me doing hear me doing air quotes, but 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 I am. Um, uh, we get that familiar stuff, like you said, and then it gets refined in subtle ways throughout the story. Sometimes even within the same sentence. Okay, this is a detour, but just another couple of sentences that I really loved. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she imagined that he still looked a little homeless. JFK once stayed here, he told me. Elvis stayed here. But now the cage elevators were breaking down twice, three times a week, and it was 14 flights of stairs to the room that housed his unrefrigerated 40s and his stolen desk. He was so proud of the like fact that two celebrities used to stay here. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that's a really interesting, complicating dynamic. Uh, like The prestige of staying somewhere that these two celebrities used to stay, um, combined with uh, right immediately after... I imagined he still looked a little homeless. I just, yeah. So much, yeah. so much good material going on there about like 
economics. Absolutely. And I think this is one of the most, it's strange because this comes from, this story comes from a, uh, my copy comes from a collection called International Flash Fiction. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's flash stories from around the world, some in translation, um, some originally in English. And, and a lot of those stories feel like this story is from Australia, but it feels like it is very American. And that part you read, Emily, mm-hmm. is, is just right in there. That kind of like JFK and Elvis, mm-hmm. like you, it, you couldn't think of two more iconic 50s, 60s, kind of like the you know quote unquote golden age figures, right? Um, yeah, and and that's that. part of the story's disappointment at the end, right? Um, and yeah. and I think that um, just really is understanding about the the illusion of it. Like this story gets all of that really, mm-hmm. really well. Um, These Australians have our damn number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have us yeah. figured out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. And I think that moment, too, does such an interesting thing to the character dynamic as well, because it shows the just like it gives the sense that he's trying to keep her on the phone in these moments. It's like mm. that grasping kind of like, oh, what what else can I talk about? Uh, JFK stayed here once. Well, it's 2013 now or whenever <laughs> this takes place. And it's not not even the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, been decades since that was relevant. Or yeah. he's trying to keep her on the phone or he's trying to say, I'm doing pretty well for myself now. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. My first read of this, I thought it was romantic their relationship, but now that I'm reviewing it, I think it's more like I don't know, failed maybe failed like parental figure or like I, I'm mm. thinking of the Phoebe Bridgers song about um, calling her dad from a payphone in Japan. Do you, do you know what I'm yeah. talking about, Ben? Yeah, Kyoto. Yeah, Kyoto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. the like dad, you're disappointing me again, but like I'm glad you're trying. <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. is is mm-hmm. my new read of this. <laughs> That's a really good. Yeah. That's a really good thought. Yeah, I, I got sort of like romance, romantic relationship, or failed romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the shape of the actual relationship changes almost each time I read the piece, which I think is what's what's good mm-hmm. about it. Um, and mm-hmm. and and I, I also like. I think the story is funny. I think the end of the story is yeah. really funny. Yes. Um, and a lot of times you get stories mm-hmm. about decline, like like you know the decline of of. America, whatever that is, right? Or like, like this, this kind of like stories that are are after um, a grittiness or edge or whatever that that just don't seem to work. And, and this story does because it like has a serious, I think, emotional core, but it, it also doesn't take itself too seriously. At the end of the day, um, I think mm-hmm. um, you know that fucking sprite line is just really funny and sprite. Sprite, sprite is just perfect, right? Like I can't think of a more perfect. Yeah. A more perfect nothing brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, the least to stand offensive. In here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's got the SPR yeah. also, which is one of those just funny letter combinations. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Hot take, yeah. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the, the, this is a thing that the Simpsons writers like established a while ago. That, that that's why they would always make fun of Arby's is because Arby's is the funniest sounding fast food restaurant. The ARB. Mm-hmm. The, those mm-hmm. little like those that. little turns are, yeah. are very important to humor. Yeah. yeah. For you sure. Points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely there in this in this story. So I I I, mm-hmm. I, I love when when pieces are not afraid to sort of like be be funny in that way or, or have a sense of humor about yeah. about what's going on. Um, and the kind of awkwardness of their conversation is a little bit funny too. Like right, like all they talk about yeah. is vending machines and chickens. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's 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 a I think some 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 fun in the story. Um, and mm. mixed with seriousness, and I think Flash is, is partic- can be particularly good at that. Definitely. Mm. Um, 
since you've pointed out all they talk about, I also am realizing all of their conversations are about him, but I still feel like I know her, right? Mm -hmm. The only image we get of her is she's lying on her stomach on the ugly gray carpet of the house she grew up in, phone cord stretched to the front door, blowing cigarette smoke through the wire screen. That is just about all I know about her, but I still feel like it wasn't... I feel like she's a real character and not just like an excuse to learn about this nearly homeless guy or previously homeless guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. a really hard balance to make, to make all of the dialogue about one of the characters, but to still establish the other as, as, as a real feeling person. I think that comes in just like through, just like you were saying, Brett, just through the nature of the conversation itself, like through what it is that they are talking about. We understand who it, who the person on the other end of that conversation is to be. And um, I, I think something I, before we move, off of the story, I do want to talk about kind of just the excellent ways in which this does build mystery. I, I feel like we touched on that at the beginning, but it, it does a lot of work in its mysteriousness um, in a way that I, I think, like, you know, great science fiction writers and great world builders do as well. It, it, it's uh, one of those techniques of just, like, kind of holding holding information just out of reach, like, but referring to it as extant. Uh, and I think that just does such a powerful job of expanding the story past its pages. Like, uh, we were able to think into it ra- rather than just being, that being having, you know, thought displayed to us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she, she wants to know what's in that vending machine. Just like I want to know mm. what's in the vending machine. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. and it, it builds up to that, yeah, I think really really well for sure um, and it ends up being it ends up being a disappointment of course um, yeah. but for a minute there's that hope uh, and I think that that's also true about flash like it exists in a space of possibility where you know you're mm-hmm. you're trying to project these characters into multiple possible futures and and ask the reader to hold all of them together at once I think that's why I mm-hmm. I like it maybe that's also part of why I love flash because I also like statistics and probability <laughs> so maybe that's the math reason um, but but I think this story does that really well right but it it closes mm-hmm. it closes a couple of doors and I think that's why it feels yeah. satisfying because you mm. do get to see like some actual doors closing like the whole infinite universe of character relationships isn't open to me at the end of this piece um you know they have one less thing to talk about but there's still yeah. enough that i can't i can't put the characters on a single track um and and i think that's that's something that i really enjoy about it that we get we get the satisfaction of watching the doors close and seeing a mystery get solved without having it all solved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah yes absolutely <laughs> agreed story solved <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we figured out craft Brett, mm-hmm. how yeah. did you turn this into yeah. a writing or revision exercise? Usually, uh, when I when I sometimes when I pass a story out in class, I, I have their students, I have my students um, work on stories with a brand name, like start with start with the brand name, mm. um, cool. because I think that's uh, fun and also sort of a, a note. And it's just interesting to see what they choose and how they choose to incorporate mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a, a story that turns on some sort of some sort of brand, or where a brand kind of stands in for a particular character, um, and mm-hmm. that's that's sort of a simple, simple um, 
idea. Um, I try to keep my prompts like really open, um, which is, I guess, good and bad. But but that's one that I use for this piece because I think that the brand is so well chosen, and there's you have to hit such a fine line, so many fine lines in, in fiction and in flash, especially. Um, but that's one of them. Like like using brands can be really off-putting, um, mm-hmm. or or it can really kind of add spice and relevance and um, kind of relatability to a piece. Um, and I think this piece is on the right side of the line, and so. It's sometimes the, the student prompts like fail miserably, but that's part of the fun. <laughs> and sometimes they work. Um, sometimes Always. they work. Um, yeah. Always. Um, so I think know. it's a brilliant exercise, though, because it makes you think about object. Yeah. And, like yeah. using a specific object as as a turn, like mm-hmm. whether you keep it as a brand, like the sprite turn here or um, whatever, wherever other directions an object can take you. Uh, but yeah. I think any exercise that makes people think more about specific objects is a, is a smart one. I love I love yeah. objects in fiction. Fictions from points of views of objects. <laughs> um, just just the the how much stuff plays a role in our lives. I think is awesome, and and that's a, a good way to to get at some of that for sure. Yeah. I do have another question though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing that we've talked about in this piece is like balancing mystery and enough to feel satisfying or to feel like to, to, to be able for the reader to be able to bite into a story. Do you have any tests that you do in revision? Any questions that you ask yourself as you're revising to make sure that you've raised enough questions, but also given enough tangible information? In Flash, like so much of it comes down to the ending, I think. Like that, those last mm. sentences of a piece just have to feel right. Um, and they have to like I think they have to emphasize to the reader like which doors are being opened left open and which ones are being closed um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of the test that I ask myself at the end of a piece is like does this does this give the reader an idea of where these characters are going um, <laughs> does it also close off <laughs> some some potential avenues um, and, and and that's always like a, I think a, a difficult a difficult dance um, to, to ask um, thinking about like you know, another another question I, I might ask is like, well, have I what what mystery have I introduced in this piece? Because I think all flash pieces introduce a mystery, um, and then mm-hmm. I, I try to look at sort of like where I've where I've left that that mystery, um, and you know, have I have I given the reader the means to solve it, or have I you know given them enough information, or have I closed off enough alternatives that it's at least fun to think about um, mm-hmm. or have I just like is this just like not that cool <laughs> of a mystery like and it just doesn't work um, you know I've definitely had that happen before um, I, don't, I don't know if that if that like makes a ton of sense but it's it's the end it all comes down to the end in Flash really like there's this, have you ever seen Adaptation the movie Adaptation it's Nicolas Cage and yeah. he goes and sees uh, Robert McKee, who's this kind of screenwriting guru. And McKee, he's, McKee tells him, like, it doesn't matter what kind of crap your screenplay is. If you wow them in the end, you're okay. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> like, Flash is, a little bit, Flash is a little bit like that. Like, if you have a good ending, you can, you can justify mm-hmm. a lot. And so, like, when I'm revising, I spend so much time thinking about endings. One other thing you mentioned. Am I right, hearing you right, that you try to have, like, one mystery at a time? A lot of the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, 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 not always. I mean, sometimes there might be more than one, but usually it is like there's one thing that's kind of the engine of the story, like one mm. little plot point, 
<laughs> right? Like, and and in like the first story in my collection, like it's an execution, and you know the guy's gonna get executed, right? Mm-hmm. So so like like that mystery is there's there really isn't a mystery, and so then it's like mm-hmm. okay, how do you complicate the meaning of that being solved? Right. Um, I thought that there was a mystery. Okay, I literally just read this. So, dear reader, um, another opportunity to pause and read a quick flash fiction. I'll, I'll link this one in the show notes as well. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, you didn't pause fast enough. I'm going. Um, I do think there was a mystery in Big Red Nation. Um, I think it was a mystery of like, would it actually be bad luck for the Huskers football team if to kill him before the game? And 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 I liked you didn't. The resolution isn't really about that mystery. It's it's. Yeah. Well, it is and it isn't, you know, that, that mystery isn't answered um, yeah. because it's a ridiculous mystery, right? Like, it's superstition. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah I, 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 I liked that, that one quite a lot. I, thought, I felt like there was, like, one mystery in that. that I think that fits into, into, into this, this kind of model well. Yeah, that's really good to hear. I mean, that's really good to hear because you know, why do these people think that way, right? I mean, I mean, why why does that thought make sense? Um, and and the fact that it is even posed suggests a lot about the kind of world in which that story takes place. Um, yeah. And so, I, I mean, it, it is. It's a lot of stuff like that. Like, you know, how much am I using like a three act structure? I mean, that's just another way to do it, right? Like, and 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 how much not? And I think there's like three types of flash pieces. There's like the compressed three act structure flash, which is just like a story told short um there's flash that revolves around a concept or an idea or some kind of strange experiment um mm-hmm. and then there's and then there's this sort of like minimalist relationship a slice of life scene that tells you so much more about a relationship and they all run slightly differently um but I, I think that's really kind of how I think about it when I'm writing it. It's like, what kind of story, what's running this piece? Is it a concept? Is it a relationship? Or or is it like an, an actual plot event that I'm just compressing? Yeah, how much time is covered here? Like in yeah. this one, it's just like kind of a sliver. Like it's, here's the routine of he calls her once once a week and he talks about this, but it, it's really the sliver of like this yep. fitting machine. Question. Yep, mm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah this, yeah, this definitely feels like one of those like classic minimalist like, like I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'll give you this little kind of sat- bit of satisfaction, and, and the rest is going to be told through concrete detail and imagery and all of the other, like, craft 101 stuff that, that, that we all hear but always need to practice because it's so important. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, uh, as we like to wrap things up for the week, but before we go, we do like to get a recommendation of something that you've been enjoying that is, that's made you happy. It can be anything. You can recommend going on a walk. You can recommend staring at the sun, although I don't think that that's the best advice in the world. Um, we won't stop you from giving but, it. Um, or you could but recommend... But if it made you happy, that's If it made you, you happy, yeah. if a book, a video game, yeah. uh, new sun, vision damage, whatever made you happy this week, Brett, what's something you would recommend? So I just finished um, Monday this book it's a novel it's called the throw the throwback special by chris bach elder um i don't know if it was a national book award nominee a few years ago uh, i thought it was just really funny and kind of unexpectedly emotional uh, it's it's about 22 guys who get together every year to reenact uh, the, the a famous football play where joe theisman broke his leg it's like really <laughs> famous and like it's like a graphic injury that they show on tv and so these guys get together every year and they 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 reenact this event, um, and and you don't actually get to know very many of them. I mean, because there's 22 characters, um, but they're surprisingly mm. easy to keep track of, and and the way that they're characterized, and the way that the themes kind of arise from uh, jumping around to these different people, and the way that that the writer Chris Bach Elder balances like 
not necessarily criticizing these characters, but sort of pointing out some of their their flaws or their shortcomings or or whatever, while also kind of showing us the the meaning that they find in this this kind of outwardly silly thing is really really mm-hmm. cool. And it's also just funny. It's a funny book. Um, so I uh, I really enjoyed that. I, I highly highly recommend it. It's short. Um, it's like a super tight novel it's a novel that uses a lot of flash techniques <laughs> in, in, in certain ways hey. um, so, i'm surprising uh, that our yeah. flash guest uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's great it's like a really tight organized um book from from novel writing i'm trying to learn from it but but i don't know it might it might just oh. be a, um, I, it might just be i can't we'll see <laughs> i love it cute good ben do you have a rec this week yeah i recommend um taking time to not work <laughs> is what i recommend um yeah no there i don't know the thing i've been doing most with my time is playing elden ring yeah. which does not require recommendation at this point because that's what the entire world is doing <laughs> so but if, but if you haven't gotten into elden ring yet and you have something to play it on uh do that it's it's real fun ben <laughs> and our friend daniel both took off work the day that that video game came out nice. so that they could play mm-hmm. that video game remotely together and That's i just great, yeah. think it's the cutest thing i've ever heard in my life you need to to play yeah. Elden Ring. yeah <laughs> that's a, that's a great way to characterize you ben i feel like i know you i feel like i know you <laughs> and i like it i like what i'm seeing those specific details. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, I have previously recommended going for a walk. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, for those of you who took up that recommendation, we're gonna go to the advanced level now, which is going for a walk to a park and then swinging on a swing set. Um, just I I do a lot of I, I'm very distractible. I'm off. People who I like catch up with on the phone are often listening to the wind, my dishes, whatever. Um, <laughs> and recently, I, I treated everyone who I caught up with on the phone to uh, a swing set wind. So uh, (laughs) I had a good time. There was a poor audio quality, but um, I recommend uh, going for a walk to a swing set and and continuing about your adult business while on a swing swing set. Can I ask a question about that? I'm ready, Ben. How do you avoid tummy ache? went on the swing i don't last time i was on a swing real bad i'm not swinging aggressively <laughs> i'm just doing like a little back a little forward oh, it's okay. more of like a okay. i'm just very distractible i need to do activities when i'm talking to people <laughs> so yeah, that's that's that's, that's it wasn't a, it wasn't a full pump i wouldn't say it was not jumping <laughs> Yeah, uh, Emily's been whittling under the desk during this entire podcast. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all right. That's all right. I, I, I've been twisting the, the edge off this pen cap. So that's, 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 that's you know. You're going to break that pen writers, cap. Writers, I guess. Yeah, the nation yeah. of fiddlers. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Brett, thank you so much for joining us yeah. for the Good Writing Podcast. Um, thank you all. This is great. This is, this is fun. Where can people yeah. find you online? Um, I'm on Twitter, um, uh, at BBL, that's my last name without vowels, underscore Brett. Sweet. Nice. BBL yeah. underscore Brett with two T's. Find him on yeah. Twitter. Uh, Brett, thank you for joining us. Uh, dear thank listener, we are the Good Writing Podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Good Writing Pod. If you've got a longer note to send us, we're at goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com. You can have more letters in your username and your email address than on your Twitter. That's okay. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Uh, we appreciate you, and we'll see. We'll have a new episode out on Monday. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.